Welcome to the Disciple Dare, a four-week series to challenge you to discover what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. More info on the Disciple Dare can be found at ViennaSDA.org. Pastor Jennifer Deans shows you through stories from the Bible how living the dare will give you hope in troubled times and joy in life. In this message, what's stopping you? It was much like any other day. He got up and he was spending time with God. And, you know, times with God were one of his favorite things to do. And he was, he was praying and he was talking to God. And he, it was like a voice came and said, you need to go out by the road. What? What do you want me to do out on the road? Well, you need to go out by the road, you know, the one between Gaza and Jerusalem. You need to go out there and just, just go out there. And so Philip, not quite sure what it was, thinking to himself, I exercised really hard last night. I don't really need more exercise, but I, I, I think I'm supposed to go. So Philip goes out there, and he's walking along the road, and the road is pretty deserted. And then here comes a chariot, and the chariot goes right on by him, and he gets the distinct impression as the chariot goes by that he's supposed to catch up with the chariot. And he's not quite sure why, because it's a little crazy. There's horses kind of clipping along at a nice little pace. And, he, and so he starts running, and he's jogging, and, and he, he has this feeling, you're just supposed to stay there. And so he's running beside the chariot, kind of feeling a little awkward. What am I doing here? And as he's, as he's running beside the chariot, and he's getting a little tired, he hears the man in the chariot reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And he's going, he seems to be reading the same thing over and over and over again. And Philip goes, um, hey, uh, hi, do you, do you understand what you're reading? Um, excuse me, I'm a little out of breath here. And the guy looks up to him as if all of a sudden he noticed that there's this guy running right next to his chariot. And it dawns on him and says, no, I I don't know what I'm reading. Could you tell me? Could you explain it to me? And um, Philip's like, yeah, I can explain it to you. And he's still running along. And then the guy gets the bright idea. How about you come in the chariot? And Philip's like, great idea. I like that idea. And so the chariot stops. Philip climbs in. And they sit down. And um, Philip realizes that this guy who introduces himself as Candace's eunuch He's from Ethiopia, and he's, he said, I was in Jerusalem, and I was, I was worshiping there, and while I was there, I got a hold of this book, this book from Isaiah, and I've been reading, and I just don't, I don't understand what's being said here. Who is this guy talking about? Is Isaiah talking about himself, or is he talking about somebody else? And so Philip, he, he goes through, and he's, as he's reading with Isaiah, he says, this is talking about somebody else. This is talking about somebody that I had the privilege of spending personal time with. This is talking about Jesus. And, well, great. Who is this Jesus? And so Philip tells him the story. He goes through and he tells him all the knowledge. He tells him who Jesus was and what Jesus did. That he came to earth to be and live with us, to show us God the Father. And he never sinned. He lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And he just... 
he just went on and on about Jesus. And all the while, the eunuch is looking at Philip and he's falling in love with this man. He's never met him. He's never seen him. But there's something about this man that draws him to him. And as Philip's talking, he's getting down towards the end of Jesus' life. And he says, you know, Jesus, he was perfect. He was sinless. He never did a single thing wrong. And then they led him to be crucified. In fact, it just happened a little while ago. And he's like, what do you mean they crucified him? How could they crucify him? You told me he healed people. He raised the dead. He was loving and kind that children loved him. What did he do to deserve death? I don't understand. And Philip is sharing with him, well, you see, he came and he was crucified for you. Well, what do you mean? He never met me. I don't understand. And Philip shares with him, well, We all know that the wages of sin is death. And the only way out of it is by the shedding of blood. So there needed to be a sacrifice. There needed to be someone to die for you, to give you an opportunity to be saved. And at that moment, the eunuch all of a sudden realizes this man, this perfect man who loved and cared and he came and he lived and died, he died for him. And at that moment, he's like, I've, I've got to be his follower. I have to do it. What, what is stopping me? There's all this water around. The river's right over there. What's stopping me from getting baptized right now and giving my life to Jesus? Philip says, nothing, if you believe. And he says, I do believe. I believe this Jesus that you're telling me about, that Isaiah teaches us, is the son of God. And so the eunuch gives the order to stop And the chariot is stopped, and Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, they walk down into the water, and Philip baptizes him there in the river. And almost as soon as he comes up out of the water, Philip is gone, disappeared. And the Ethiopian eunuch is so excited, he runs back to his chariot, and he's like, did you hear? He's talking to his driver, did you hear what was said? And the driver said, I kind of heard some of it. And he's like, and he's so excited, and he's sharing the good news with his driver. And they go on, and he never sees Philip again. This story always just amused me. It was always very interesting to me, because... It's found, in, um, it's found in Acts chapter 8, and it talks about how God uses, he does the most interesting things to make sure that we have an opportunity to know him. He, he, he goes above and beyond. And we find a person, and a person like many of us in the world, who feels this hole in their heart. Um, there's a song that says there's a God-shaped hole inside of us that only God can fill. And we try to fill this longing, this emptiness in our hearts with everything else, and it doesn't quite fit. It somehow leaves us empty and longing. We use relationships, we use power, we use work, we use money, we use cars, we use all sorts of things to try to fill this longing in our heart. But the longing in our heart is there for a reason. It's because God is drawing us there. We were made to be in relationship with God. And as he's drawing us and as he's pulling us into a relationship, we feel empty until we find it. And this is where we find the Ethiopian eunuch. It tells us, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. tells us in Acts chapter 8, which is page 891, for those of you who have the New Living Translation Bible. Acts chapter 8. Page 
891. And we're going to read verse 27. Acts chapter 8, page 891, verse 27. And it says, So he started out and met the treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and now he was returning, seated in his carriage, and he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So we find someone who has this yearning, who has something inside of him that's calling him to a relationship with God, and he's doing the best that he possibly knows how. He probably had found out that there was Jews, and even though he wasn't a Jew, he knew that the Jews worshipped in Jerusalem. And so he was taking the knowledge he had, and he had gone to Jerusalem, and he was trying to find God. He was trying to fill this hole. Why is it that he was doing that? Is it, does the Bible tell us that he got a special invitation, or what is it that brought him all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem? Turn with me um, to John chapter 6, verse 44. John chapter 6, verse 44, page 866. John chapter 6, verse 44. Jesus is talking, and um, in verse 43 it says, Stop complaining about what I said. Jesus is, he's just getting sick of people, always questioning what he's saying. And then he makes something very interesting, a very interesting statement. He says, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns comes to him, comes to me. This tells us very clearly that we can't come to God, we can't realize this longing in our heart is a longing for God unless God himself is drawing us to him. In fact, it tells us in Romans that our sinful nature, which is what is in control of each one of our lives, unless we give it to God, our sinful nature is hostile to God, it is completely opposite to God, it can't please God because it it is the complete opposite of what God is. So there's been some force that has been in play here. There's some force that is working on this Ethiopian eunuch, telling him, listen, there's something you're missing. There's something you've got to have. And so as the Ethiopian eunuch is going forward, he's, he's doing the best he knows how. And there's people all around us, in churches everywhere, our neighbors, even a lot of you in this church sitting right now, that you feel that there's an emptiness, and you feel that there's not, there's something you're missing, but you're looking for something. And just like the Ethiopian eunuch, God has sent the Holy Spirit, because sometimes we don't even know what we're looking for. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. This is one of my favorite verses, Romans chapter 8, verse 26, page 918. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. This tells us what the Spirit does for us. Because sometimes we don't even know what we're looking for. We don't know how to pray. We don't know where we should start. And somehow God puts people in our path, and we don't know how they ended up there. And here's why. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groans that cannot be expressed in words. 
And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. We have a picture of the Holy Spirit who's gone out. And the cool thing is when we're listening to him, when we're following his leading, when we're following his drawing, he helps us pray to God. So I'm sitting here and I'm kneeling down and I'm praying, you know, God, I really want a better job at work. And before it gets up to heaven, the Holy Spirit's translated it and saying, God, she just needs to be taught more patience. Or, you know, God, I really wish you'd fix my husband. And before it gets up into heaven, you know, God, she's needing help working through conflict issues. And the Holy Spirit is translating our prayers. And then sometimes when we don't even know what to pray, when we're going, there's something missing. I don't know what I'm looking for. I'm reading and I'm confused. The Holy Spirit is our go-between and he's the one who sends us Philip. Here comes Philip. And Philip is being directed by the Holy Spirit. It tells us in Acts chapter one that the Spirit, the angel of God tells him to go down to the road. Now, if I was Philip, I was like, what in the world do you want me to be down here? It doesn't make any sense. But the Holy Spirit's not worried about things making sense to us. God is doing everything he possibly can to get into our lives, to give us the relationship. And so we find Philip sitting in the, he's sitting in the chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch, and he's explaining. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53, because this is where um, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading, page 5. 96. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53, page 596. And it's such a beautiful chapter. When I read it, like, I'd read the story of Philip a whole lot, but I'd never gone back and read the chapter he was reading. And as I was studying for the sermon, I read it, and it just is such a beautiful picture of Jesus. It says, Isaiah chapter 53, um, verse 2. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There is nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. So first it starts out with a picture of Jesus, that he wasn't the hottest man around. He wasn't the most built and cut, so that when you saw him across the room, you're like, ooh, I notice you. That wasn't who he was. Why did God start with Jesus like that? Why did he start him out as a regular, ordinary, everyday person? Because there is going to be something about Jesus that attracts us to him, but if it was his looks, we'd stop there. God wanted us to know the heart. And then it says he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other ways. He was despised and we didn't care. We have a picture of a Jesus who came down here and he tells us in Luke that his mission is to seek and to save the lost. And we're here being apathetic. We don't care. You know, the reason he never sinned, and as Philip is explaining this to the Ethiopian eunuch, he's like, Jesus was despised and he was sorrowful. And the the Ethiopian eunuch's like, why was he sorrowful? What happened? And he's like, his sorrow was because he came down here to show us the way. He came down here to show us the Father. And we ignored him. We didn't see him. We didn't feel our need. And it goes on and on in this. In verse chapter 5, in 53 verse 5, it says, He was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. 
We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. And as, as these words are coming out of Philip's mouth, he's saying, do you get it? Do you get it every time you have that bad thought? You are standing there with a whip in your hand and you're beating this man who came to love you? Do you get it? But you want to know what's so beautiful? He died a criminal's death. And then at the end of verse 11, it says, And because of his experience, my righteous service will make it possible for many to be counted as righteous, for he will bear the sins. He will bear all of our sins. Philip's saying, do you get it? You've heard about the sacrifices. Do you know what the sacrifices are all about? Anytime someone sinned in Israel, they would have to go and symbolically place their hand on a lamb, and then they would have to confess their sins and then cut the lamb's throat. And they would have to catch the blood because the wages of sin is death, and the life of the being is in the blood, it tells us in Leviticus. And so blood had to be shed for every sin. And so Philip is describing Jesus and he's like, you know the sacrificial system. You know there has to be a cost for every single sin that happens. And you want to know what happens? Every time you sin, you're hitting him with the whip. You're pounding in the nails. But you know something? Revelation tells us that those who are in heaven have been washed with the blood of the lamb. So God Jesus in his love not only takes it for you, allows you to beat him, allows you to put him on the cross, but then he allows you to stand under the cross and let his blood drip on you. And as his blood hits you, it purifies you and takes away your sins. You don't have to go through. You don't have to pay the consequences yourself. And the reason Jesus is so beautiful, even though he wasn't physically attractive, was because he loved deeply and he cared much. And he didn't care how we felt towards him when he came. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, page 915. Romans chapter 5, page 915. We're going to read verses 6 through 8. Romans chapter 5. This gives us a picture of how much we deserved Jesus' death. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would be willing to die for someone, an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus loved us so much that he didn't wait for us to get our acts together and figure out that we deserved salvation. He said, I love you so much that you're hating me right now. You're the ones putting me on the cross. You're ignoring my gifts of love. You're just, you could care less about what I'm offering you, but I'm dying for you anyways because I want to give you that opportunity. So as the Ethiopian eunuch hears this, he is overcome with a sense that he has got to respond. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8, and let's read his words again. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And we're going to read verse 36. Page 891, Acts chapter 8. It says, As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He said, I have to make a decision 
what's stopping me? What's stopping me today? We get a picture that we're part of something bigger. The Ethiopian eunuch got it. When he encountered the cross and when he encountered Jesus, he had to make a stand. He had to make a stand that day. And what did he do? He got baptized. So what do we get when we get baptized? What is baptism all about? What did the Ethiopian eunuch get? Well, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, page 809. Mark chapter 1. We're going to read verse 10. Mark chapter 1, verse 10 says, As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. So we get a picture that when we're baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. Do we have the same privilege? Do we get the same thing? Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter's telling us, and this is something Peter's asking. Some of us are like, what do we need to do? What, what, what are the steps I need to take before baptism? And then this is what Peter says. Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So first we have to realize that we've ignored Jesus, that we've taken him for granted. The gift he's offered us, we haven't taken seriously. And we have to, we have to realize it. We need to say, God, I'm sorry, I've messed up. And then what happens when we're baptized? It says, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and your children and even the Gentiles, all who've been called by the Lord our God. Peter tells us that God wants to give us a special gift. He wants to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was already drawing the Ethiopian eunuch. But the Holy Spirit was the one who was able to talk to Philip, and Philip was willing to do crazy things, like run beside a car until he got permission to get in it. Philip was willing to do that because he was following the direction of the Holy Spirit. And God loves us so much, he's not willing that any one of us should perish. He doesn't want any of us not to be in heaven. And so sometimes he has some of the other ones of us act a little crazy in order to help somebody else get there. But when the Holy Spirit is leading our lives, we do crazy things that we might not have normally done. And we find the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip in the waters. Some people say, well, I've been baptized before, but it was a different kind of baptized. There's all sorts of different types of baptisms out there. Some people sprinkle. They baptize you with rose petals. They baptize you with snow. There's baptism by immersion. So what kind of baptism does the Bible talk about? What kind of baptism is there? Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, it tells us that there's only one baptism. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5, page 954. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5. It says, There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. So there's only one baptism that the Bible talks about. There's not a whole lot. And so let's look and see if we can figure out what 
baptism the Bible is talking about because if we want to, if we want to be given the extra dose, the free gift of the Holy Spirit, we want to commit our lives to Jesus the way that he has given us the example to. So turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verse 9. Let's look at how Jesus was baptized to see what happens. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. Mark chapter 1, verse 9 says, One day Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. All right? So first we're in a river. If I just need to be sprinkled or if I just need to have a little bit of oil put on my head, do I need to be in a river? No, I don't need to be in a river. And then it says, As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens split apart. So when Jesus is baptized, Jesus is being put under the water and brought up out of the water. Why is that important? Why does it matter? It also tells us in John um, chapter 3 that John the Baptist was baptizing in a certain place because there's a lot of water there. So he's going for places that there's a lot of water. So what does that mean? What does it represent? It tells us... um, Where is it? Where I lost it. It tells us in First Corinthians um, that oh, there it is. It's in Colossians two, so page nine sixty two. Colossians two, page nine sixty two, verse twelve. Colossians two. Colossians two, page nine sixty two. Verse 12. So this tells us a little bit about what baptism is. Verse 12 says, For you are baptized with Christ when you are baptized, and with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. And you are dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ For he forgave all your sins and he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. We find a picture of what baptism represents. Jesus went down into the water to be baptized. And what is it important? Why is that important? Because when we're baptized, we die with Christ. And so we get to take Christ's death for our sins. And then when we come up out of the water, it's like we're born again. It's we're a new person. And so it's very symbolic. Jesus had us do it in a specific way for a reason. So as Philip is taking the Ethiopian eunuch and laying him into the water and pulling him back up, he's pulling him up perfect. He's given a brand new slate, a new start. Baptism is a washing away of sins. It's also a public example, a public statement that I am giving Jesus control and permission to rule in my life. So the question is, who should be baptized? Well, it tells us in Acts chapter 6, and Peter told us that repent of your sins and be baptized. So if you feel that you have been sinful, if you haven't committed your life yet to Jesus, God is calling you to make a commitment and make a commitment today. The same thing the Ethiopian eunuch says, you know, what's stopping me from being baptized today? Philip didn't say, by the way, you need to learn all of the rules of the church, and you've got to, you know, by the way, you're not eating exactly correct, and there's a few other things we need to go through. No, he just said, if you believe Jesus is the Son of God, you can be baptized today, because it's simply a commitment to people. 
It's a commitment by people that they want, they want God in their lives. Turn with me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. Mark 16, verse 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 16, page 827 says, Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. We can't do that on our own. That comes when the power of the Holy Spirit lights on us. And we get an extra dose of that when we're baptized because we're given God permission to lead our lives And our sinful natures are totally in contrast to God. And it's only when we give the Holy Spirit power that we'll be drawn to him. What if we've been baptized and baptized by immersion before? Is there ever a point in time where we need to get re-baptized? Is there ever a point where it says, maybe I should get back in the water? You know, I lied last week. So should I get back in the water if I lied last week? No. It tells us in John chapter 13, Jesus is with the disciples at the Last Supper and he's going around washing their feet and he gets to Peter and Peter's like, well, wash my whole body then. And Jesus is like, no, if you're clean, I don't need to wash your whole body, I just need to wash your feet. And then he tells us to practice the example of foot washing, which we're gonna do next week at communion because that's a mini baptism that symbolizes I'm rededicating my life to you. So if you've been baptized before and you've messed up a few things, um, at foot washing, it's like you're recommitting your life to Jesus. So if we've messed up a little, it doesn't matter. But if we've messed up a lot, if we've strayed, it's kind of like if Kevin and I are having an argument. In order to fix the argument, I don't need to remarry him. But, in or- but if I separate from him and we get a divorce and then I want to connect... Legally, I need to remarry him to get in it. So there are times in our lives when we've done stuff, when we've pulled so far away and we haven't been living in how God wants us to. In those points, it's perfectly okay for us to say, I want to recommit my life to Jesus and I want to take the stand and get rebaptized today. I've done it once, but then I ignored Jesus and I went away. So I'm recommitting my life today. There's also another example of a time that it's good to get rebaptized. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 says, hmm. No, it's Acts chapter 19, verse 2, sorry. 19, verse 2, just flip over there. Acts chapter 19, verse 2. Paul is talking with some people in Corinth, um, and, and he says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you receive? He asked. They replied, The baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance of sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus, And then Paul laid his hands on them, 
And the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. So we get a picture of here who people have been baptized. They've been baptized by immersion, the way that God, Jesus' example shows us. But they didn't have all the truth. And then when they learned more truth, Paul says, listen, there's something more. There's a big thing you are missing. So it would be perfectly appropriate for you to get rebaptized in acknowledgement of this truth you want in your life. Today it tells us in Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Acts chapter 22, verse 16. It says, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. God is calling each one of us. We have a hole in our heart that only God can fill. And the Holy Spirit is working on each one of our lives. And he's put people in your path. There's a reason you're here today. There's a reason you are where you are. God wants a relationship with you. If you realize that and you feel the love of God and you want that relationship with God, what is stopping you from making a commitment today to say, I want to be baptized? Every one of you with your um, lessons should have gotten an envelope. And on the envelope, I want you to reply to some dares. I want you to think about it because God is truly calling on your life. The first dare is, I believe that baptism is by immersion only. It's the example that Jesus set and it's, the example that is shown in the Bible. The second dare is, I love Jesus and I desire to follow him all the way in baptism. If you've never been baptized by immersion, if you've never made the stand to give your life totally to Jesus, I want you to write your name on that envelope and I want you to write, I would like to be baptized. And then we will get that information and we will work with you to do that in a time frame you're comfortable with. We'll either study with you more if you'd like some more information or we can do it next week. We will work with you on when you're comfortable. The next dare is, um, I've drifted away and want to be rebaptized. Have you done something in your life that you feel has pulled you so far away from God from when you were originally baptized and you feel him calling on your life saying, you need to recommit your life to me today? If that's the case, right, I want to be rebaptized. Or if you've been baptized by immersion before, but you've discovered a new truth that you believe is life-changing and you want to say, God, I want to accept that truth and I want to live in in a life with you, say, I would like to be rebaptized because I've learned a new truth. As you're leaving today, I want to encourage you to put your envelopes with your name and your response to God in baptism at the door. God wants to use each one of us. And if we give our lives to God, he will be able to use us in crazy and miraculous ways like he used Philip. God is calling each one of you today. What are you waiting for? What is stopping you? You've been listening to The Disciple Dare from Pastor Jennifer Deans. We hope this message encouraged you as you learn to follow in Jesus' footsteps. If you'd like to learn more about how you can take the dare, drop by ViennaSDA.org. There you'll find resources to get connected to others like yourself and to help in your spiritual journey.